Hello and welcome to the Healthcare Solutions Project, the podcast where we get to know health industry innovators who are working to improve cost, quality, and health outcomes and enhance patient and clinician satisfaction. I'm Don Siemens, and today I'm joined by someone who's helping healthcare providers and insurers improve productivity and efficiency through automation, Matt Hawkins. Matt, thanks for joining us today. Happy to, Don. Appreciate the opportunity. Matt is the Executive Vice President of Sales and Strategy for Boston Software Systems, and as such, he helps develop the overarching strategy and direction for the organization. He has deep knowledge of hospital systems and workflows, and he's used that knowledge in working with top healthcare organizations such as Johns Hopkins, HCA, Community Healthcare Systems, and Partners Healthcare. Matt, I'm really excited to get in the weeds about healthcare process automation, but before I do, I want to learn a little more about you. You started off in tech and you moved into healthcare. How did you find yourself in the healthcare space? Um, a lot of relationships that I had in tech and uh, maybe it ended up in the, in the healthcare space. I was actually at a tech company um, and we had done some work with a device manufacturer and one of the major problems that they had was actually identifying who and what had updated code at a certain time and frame on a given piece of equipment. And it was fascinating to me that there was actually a federal statute that then required it. And going through that process, and I worked for a very small vendor at the time, we actually um, were the vendor of selection uh, by the time that process was all said and done, it was really because we understood exactly what the government was looking for and exactly what the requirement was being placed on the manufacturers in that space. And so what was really exciting about that was it was making such a large impact. And so from that point, when the opportunity came to join an organization in healthcare, and certainly when doing something as innovative as what Boston was doing, I just jumped at the chance and didn't look back. Matt, to play the role you're playing in your organization, you've got to have a really deep knowledge of healthcare, clinical and financial technology. And as someone without a healthcare background, tell us about how you went from zero knowledge to expert knowledge about healthcare systems. Sure. A lot of it came from internal staff that we had here. Um, you know, there was a wealth of experience here at Boston. Um, folks that had spent their entire lives and careers in, in healthcare. Um, in IT, in the revenue cycle, um, in support models. Uh, and so it was really fascinating to join the organization with that depth and breadth of knowledge. Um, what was great about just our experience was then not only experiencing our folks internally, but how they interacted with our customers. And what was fascinating about how they interacted with those customers, it was very much uh, something I call an alignment strategy which was we very much aligned with our clients, really tried to understand based on what system they had deployed, where potentially their bottlenecks were, where what they were trying to accomplish might be limited with other approaches. And so just essentially being a part of the organization, working with our folks here internally, working with our great customers, um, over the course of time that, that knowledge has continued to grow as you find more and more experiences. I think there's not a, not a week that passes by where something there isn't something significant new that can be learned about uh, an organization, a product, or a process that we can then better enhance and make a better experience for our clients. Matt, I talk to a lot of people who come into healthcare from other industries, and they stay because it's such a good fit, and that kind of sounds like your story. But it also seems like it's the story of Boston Software Systems. What brought your company into healthcare? So that's a great story. Uh, back uh, 
almost 30 years ago now, uh, our founders actually uh, had started the organization. They had uh, invented a technology on um, the core of what you see today, but they've invented a technology that was really there to help people be more efficient and automate processes, much like what we do today with dynamic interaction with the applications. And it was a smaller project, but it was, you know, six fields or so of updating. It was a, it was a check, checking process uh, for a financial institution. And uh, as most, you know, as, as, as most uh, CTOs and tech folks will say, you know, they always like to be challenged. And so, you know, our, our ownership was challenged with that project and put that together rather quickly and, and got a great result. Um, concurrently, they were also working on another project that was significantly larger, significantly more challenging, and significantly more complex. You know, it was hundreds of fields and an EMR system that needed to be moved and managed and updated, and he loved the complexity of that and saw how just with our platform that he'd essentially designed and built um, and his understanding of systems, this was something that could handle those very large and very complex problems. So he was kind of uh, hooked on the healthcare problem from there and uh, never looked back. And so that's when we officially became a healthcare company about 30 years ago, and that's been our focus since. So he continued to be a citizen of the healthcare community and only the healthcare community. That really is our focus because we know the systems, we know the processes, we know the workflows, um, and thankfully we know thousands and thousands of people uh, now in that industry and we're able to come on a daily basis. Hey, Matt, one consistent refrain we hear about healthcare is that there's too much administrative waste and that it contributes to the high cost of healthcare. Is that a fair statement? I think so. I think so. I think the, the biggest challenge that we find is, is that can vary throughout any part of the organization um, and can be bigger issues in different areas. I think the, the challenge always becomes what's the most efficient way to do something. And I think you know, all of the different EMR vendors out there um, and a lot of the other you know, hundreds and thousands of applications that support those large EMRs and billing systems, et cetera, I think that they do a very good job of a lot of what they do. I think the challenging part is in many cases there's parts outside of core systems. And I think that leads to inefficiency because it's having to go from you know, system to system or area to area. And so I think that in more recent years, a lot of that's been addressed. But I think the core and the crux of the matter still is that there's the ability that most people need to take these mundane tasks that are, quote, unquote, the cost of doing business and finding a way to reduce that effort and that cost so those dollars can show up in other parts of the organization in a more meaningful way. Um, and I think that's what we've been has been the focus of our platform um, is continuing to focus on those areas where we can alleviate the expenses, the cost of doing business, if you will, to then being able to have that money be able to repurpose in other parts of the organization that can make a stronger impact. So Matt, I said I wanted to get into the weeds of automation, but let's start by defining automation. What does automation mean in the healthcare industry? Um, to us, automation really means taking a process that's currently manual today, and instead of it being done by a person or a team of people uh, or an organization, having that process be 
automated. We're essentially in in the Boston platform. We're creating the ability to step by step manage and and actively and dynamically interact with the system to accomplish that same task. Whether it's on the revenue cycle side and we're doing something like claim status or eligibility checking, where it's actually following through that process of looking at the patient in the billing system, then going out to the payer, looking at the status of the claim, and then bringing back that data to the system so it's been updated just as though a human had done it. Um, all the way down to IT, where you might be needing to set up a whole bunch of users in the system to be able to uh, get their correct rights and permissions. And when you have that, you have, let's say, uh, uh, as an example, a nurse too, and she needs access to all these other different systems. Being able to set that up and templatize that takes a lot of time for IT to manage all that work, and it is a significant amount of workload. This is just another task. It's something else that's, again, just the cost of doing business, but if it's something that we can help organizations become more efficient with, uh, it's something where, again, that time can be spent elsewhere. There's never any shortage of things to do. Matt, in your arena, you're focused on process and workflow automation, and it seems to me that there is a highly bespoke aspect of what you're doing because process and workflow varies between organizations and even within organizations. Is that not true? It is. It, it definitely is true. Um, you know, one of the things that you know is essentially something we talk about from a uh, an engineering side and also from a services side is that the commonality of clients, when it's your epic and another somebody's epic, or somebody's starter and another person's starter, there is some commonality there because they try to implement those technologies, much, you know, the same client to client. The thing that varies is. What is that organization using for other supporting technologies, other supporting applications, existing workflow that they're working with today? And that's the that's where really the devil's in the details. So the value for us has always been the fact that our platform allows us to align with our customers and really talk to them and say, where is it that you see that we can impact things for you. Where might the bottleneck be? Where might we be spending more human resource than you hope to be spending on essentially what we continue to call the cost of doing business? Where can we focus in those areas to automate those steps, automate those tasks, to then free up those resources to do other things? And so when we talk about that client to client, we really do see that a core of a lot of what we do is really just aligning with our clients to under- and understanding where exactly they can utilize us to then best fit what their goals are. Um, I think that that leads to a much um, more natural process of really partnering with our clients and understanding where we can assist them in their endeavor. Matt, where have you seen automation making the biggest difference within organizations? Um, for us, we really see it across the board. So we, the areas I think that we see the most amount of automation, um, right, it's really cyclical. Right now, we see a significant amount in revenue cycle, uh, certainly in um, certainly in IT, and then to a, to a degree, uh, clinical. Uh, if you look at it two years ago, it was more heavily on the clinical side, 
around data migration and making sure clinical elements will uh, appropriately move from legacy system to current system, uh, and then things around scheduling and such. So it really is those three kind of core areas being, um, you know, IT and, and revenue cycle and clinical. And then it's just a matter of kind of what the ebbs and flows are in the market to seeing what organizations are trying to address based on where they are in the paradigm of either an adoption of a new system or an acquisition of a new organization, et cetera. Hmm. Okay. The COVID-19 pandemic right now is putting a huge strain on health systems. That's what everyone's thinking about. How have you seen automation help healthcare leaders address some of the issues this pandemic is making them face? Yeah, great question. Um, you know, we, as the pandemic continues to grow, we have seen a significant amount of uptick in specific areas. Um, those main areas on the, you know, based on the response needed for COVID were things that were regulatory, um, you know, things that were asked of uh, from uh, Vice President Pence when he talked about that he wanted things updated every single day into the, into the uh, CDC, into the government, where they were getting the results directly from hospitals and not waiting for hospitals to get to the state and then the state get it to them, where he was asking for daily updates on number of beds available. And they had a form that you had to fill out. And again, in times of crisis, the last thing you want to do is take people off of what they're doing and having to do just to keep things afloat and put them on something else that's now a new reporting requirement. So that's something for some organizations we were able to automate that process of reporting to be able to fill out that document, submit that document on a daily basis. That way the government had what they need, the hospital had met their requirement, and most importantly, they hadn't taken a very valuable resource off of something else that was trying to be done. As we know, many of these organizations went from having very few virtual workers to a number of these organizations having a significant amount of virtual workers on the IT side, on the revenue cycle side. And so what we've done to try and help our customers through that process is looking at tasks much like that uh, from the reporting side on results, um, availability of beds on the, on the government form, and then also in areas of how do we get logistically the number of clinicians that we have, how do we put them in place, give them all the permissions that they need and the systems that they need permissions in to then be able to be on the front lines? You know, in many cases, people are assigned to different departments and have different eligibility in the system and permissions in the system. And this is, again, something that our platform was able to enable very quickly. These were, you know, automations that were able to be built in a matter of days that were able to set things up to be able to move thousands of clinicians with the appropriate permissions into the system so they could start to treat and give care um, in, in on the front lines. The last piece to that was on the revenue cycle side, you know, it's very difficult. Many of these managers, directors, VPs of revenue cycle, they're facing the challenge of one day they have hundred people in RevCycle and the next day they have a hundred people in RevCycle but they can't come to the office. So how do we manage all those employees and how do we manage productivity and ensuring that we're doing all that we need to do to make sure that the revenue continues to come in so we can continue to 
do the things that need to be done from a business continuity perspective. So Boston actually, as part of the COVID crisis, made available our uh, dashboard uh, free of charge for the first year for folks to be able to utilize that. Um, there's configuration that we can do for folks, but the key to that was this isn't one of those things that's going to take a month or two months or three months to set up. This is one of those things that we're spending seven to ten days with a client getting this up and going, and then they have complete control of now what is their remote workforce. Um, and it gives them the ability to understand what's being worked, how much productivity is there, how much throughput they're getting, and it really puts it in a format that is actionable for them to be able to look at it and understand right away, here's where I need to focus some of my time because this is where you know, some things might not be as efficient as they could be. And so that's really the response that we've had for COVID over the last, I'd say, almost month now uh, that we did our first COVID automation about a month ago. So it was very early on in the process, just making sure that people were prepared for what was coming. You know, Matt, I've talked with a lot of people who have dealt with the COVID-19 crisis from not necessarily a clinical standpoint. Some of them have been clinical, but most of them have been administrative. And I am just inspired by the all-hands-on-deck attitude that everyone has, not only from a hospital and health system yeah. perspective, but from you know the, the support systems like from Boston that you know people just want to make sure that we're, we're caring for our people and we're caring for our healthcare workers, and we're we're helping each other get through this crisis. So that's uh, that's really inspiring. Yeah, I appreciate that. I think for all of us here, you know, we've been a part of the healthcare community for so long that um, it's it is it's very real to us. I mean, we have a lot of clients that aren't just clients anymore. We've been clients for so long; they're friends, and so we care about these people a lot. And yeah. I know that a number of us here at Boston are also married to people that are in health care. Um, my wife is actually a nurse. Hmm. And so she goes into her hospital every week and she does her job. And so it's one of those things where we really are a healthcare family. And uh, not only my family, but our company is a family and our, our family is our customers. So it's something that uh, it is all hands on deck and anything that we can do to help our clients or, or even help somebody that's not our client currently we just want to lend a hand and reach reach out and try and help them with anything that can make the process easier for them. So, Matt, I'm going to shift gears a little bit. Obviously, the biggest administrative expense for hospitals and health plans is people. And it makes sense to me that automation can free up employees to focus on less mundane tasks. But if we're looking at lowering costs, how much can automation really save if the workforce isn't decreasing? I think it's a great question. I think that what we find with most organizations, um, you know, is that, you know, every year there's 10% or 15% more paperwork required or steps required or rules that are being enforced. And typically on the other side of that, there's that much less reimbursement in a number of areas. Right. And so the constant battle that the, the you know, revenue cycle folks and even just and even the CEO of these organizations that have that's having to control that and manage that it's very challenging and so I think what often has to happen is that we have organizations that you know have done what I call kind of nimble where they've done a few automations and those are the biggest impact to the organization but 
completely standardized in automation. We do have some organizations that are completely standardized where you know, they're saving 455 FTE hours a day. Wow. Essentially saving 455 FTE hours a day. You know, they're saving a full-time employee basically every four days. And that's just because they, they really understand what automation is with the commitment, commitment. They understand what automation does for them as an organization. And so I think that, you know, the, what we see often is that there's that investment that's made in the process. But I think the neat thing is, is that we don't go after the small projects with our clients. We're talking to them and saying, what's going to make the biggest impact for you? And then we tell them about the feasibility of that. Here's how we can do that. Here's how fast that can happen. You know, 95% of the projects that we do, we time in days and weeks, not in months or quarters or years. And so 95% of those problems can be solved in under 30 days. And these are probably these are challenges that can, you know, that, that can linger and continue to absorb cost. And when you can show somebody that we can do this in 30 days and they see that you actually followed through and you get it done in that time frame, Many are anxious to say, okay, what else can we do? We might come to the table with a couple of ideas, but we walk out of that, you know, subsequent 30 days, 30 days later, we have 15 more ideas of these are areas that can be invested in. So I think to answer your question, what we find is organizations continue to grow just to keep up with the demand and the trying to keep things as short cycled as possible. And so that's really where we, find that we can benefit organizations is we can slow the amount of growth that they have to have from a human perspective because they're able to employ what we call a digital workforce. And that digital workforce is our platform that can be managed just like you were managing a bunch of users. And so the key to that is how quickly that can be deployed and then how that commitment to that process over time can continue to make the organization more and more efficient that can stem the tide of having to continuously bring on additional people. And that's where we see those significant returns and why you can see those returns rather quickly is because how fast things can be deployed and how meaningful projects are that we're able to address in that short of a time period. Okay, Matt, you've been in healthcare for more than a decade. You've worked with high-level health systems and health plans. Let's just talk about what healthcare needs to get better. If you could change one thing about healthcare today, what would it be? I would say the most important thing, I think that, you know, if you could essentially wave the magic wand, I think it's recognizing that a lot of the vendors in the market bring something to the table. And I think what I see often is the fact that we can go in, there's things that we're very good at. There's also things that we'll tell clients, this isn't a great fit for us, for our platform. Um, but hey, we, we have partners that do that, and, and, and here they are. I think the biggest challenge in healthcare today is vendors working better together to create and to reach that common goal of clients. Um, and I think that that's one of the things that we do very well, and it's been a large part of our success is that we're never the ones in the room dictating what has to happen. We're able to work with our clients 
and understand where they're coming from, understand their priorities, and understand what maybe sometimes some of the limitations are. And then we're able to work with that, understand that that then becomes part of our process, and that then helps us reach the final goal, which is we met our customer where they were, we were able to understand exactly what the challenge was, address the challenge, and then move on to the, and solve the problem and then move on to the next thing. So I think if it was that one thing that, that I wish could happen for healthcare, it would be vendors to work better and understand more the common goal of their client and have that have a better level of alignment so things could happen faster and people could achieve the results um, that they'd like to with a whole lot less work involved. I like that perspective, Matt. What's the proudest moment you've experienced in your career so far? Um, I would say, honestly, for each customer, you know, for us, you know, having done this for, um, you know, over a decade, uh, worked on hundreds of projects and it's that moment in time where each of our customers says, I can't believe it. We, we got this live. We got it live as fast as we did. We have no idea the impact this is going to make on our group. And, you know, as I said, I've done hundreds and hundreds of projects. And that can be anything from, you know, a migration of 200,000 appointments that we were able to do in the course of a weekend for a client. And they looked at that as such an unbelievable daunting task that it was going to cost them millions and millions of dollars. And we were able to do it for a fraction of that with much higher accuracy and more importantly, in a very short window of time. And so those types of things where, you know, working with RevCycle people and, and talking through the processes with them and them saying, we have to find a way to shorten our days and, you know, reduce those number of AR days and better understand what, what claims really look like, what those dollars really look like, and making sure that we're getting as much through our, our cycle as possible. It's really every one of those projects. And so I'm lucky in the regards that I get to do that on a daily basis with our clients. And so you're never anything more than, quite frankly, a few days away from feeling really good about a project uh, because we were able to achieve that goal and deliver those results and you know, get people over the finish line when it came to that specific challenge that they were facing. Well, Matt, thank you for the great conversation and the great insight you've given us about how automation can lower costs and improve efficiency. How can our listeners get in touch with you? Sure. Um, well, Don, really, again, appreciate the opportunity. Appreciate the opportunity to speak to your um, to your folks that uh, that subscribe, and, and just really appreciative of the opportunity to, to speak to the healthcare community again at large. But um, they can reach us at uh, our website, which is bostonsoftwaresystems.com. Uh, they can also reach out in space or choose. Happy to answer any questions or help out with anything we can help out with. My email address is Matt. M-A-T-T dot Hawkins, H-A-W-K-I-N-S, at bossoft.com. And that's B as in boy, O as in Oscar, S as in Sam, S as in Sam, O as in Oscar, F as in Frank, T as in Tom, dot com. So happy to help anybody with any questions. Thank you, Matt, and best of luck. 